You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact handy carrying case and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade the other handle has the saw that comes with it so i use the saw to split the pelvis and i use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out right so uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple very easy and the the knife is sharp and uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome back to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. A pretty cool thing just happened to me. I was uh, about to say welcome to episode, you know, whatever, and it actually took me a second to figure out what episode we were on. And we're on episode six, by the way. But it's just kind of cool that we're, you know, it seems like we're getting this thing going and we've had enough episodes that I can't just say it's two or three or whatever. So that might not be that interesting to you guys. But for me, it's kind of an accomplishment. So it does me good to hear that we're moving right along and getting some of these things put out. And I hope you guys are enjoying them. I'm having a blast doing this. And so hopefully I can keep doing this a whole lot longer and you know, it takes you guys to do that, and so keep telling your friends, keep uh, sharing it, and just get the word out there. You know, I love hearing you guys. I've, I've gotten some more comments on Instagram and some uh, some pretty good interaction on Facebook, and so I'm trying to do my best with that stuff. It's always good to hear from you guys, and, and you know, feel free to ask any questions. I had a guy asking me about uh, elk hunting in Oklahoma, and so it doesn't necessarily have to be about something we covered. And once again, if you guys have things that you would like me to cover, please share it, and I'd be happy to dig into it and look into it. You know, as I've been doing this, even though it's just been a short time, I've already started to make some some friends, not, not necessarily some friends in high places, but just some interesting people and some people who have some connections uh, with stuff that can be very valuable to you guys. And so, again, hit me up if you guys have any topics. 
Moving on, let's see, what did I do this, so this last weekend, I did not get to do much outdoorsy type stuff. My wife and I actually kept my brother's kids, four of his kids actually, and so I gained a lot of respect for the parents out there. You know, my wife and I, we don't have any kids yet, and we love keeping the kids, and they're very well behaved, they really are. My my brother and sister-in-law do a great job with them. But when you're not used to having any kids, and then all of a sudden you have four kids under the age of seven, might I add, it's just a whole whirlwind. But we had a great time with them. We actually took them to a trampoline park, which I had never been to. And way back in the day, I was actually a competitive gymnast when I was younger. Uh, started from a leg injury and started as physical therapy, and then just kind of kept going and turned into a whole ordeal. And, uh, you know, back then, like trampoline was like our, like our party, you know, that's, that's how we got rewarded. If we were good, we got to jump on the trampoline and I mean, we could jump for an hour straight and we'd, you know, jump into the foam pit and climb back out and jump back in and do all that fun stuff. But man, we, we signed up for two hours at the trampoline park and that is way too long. And my wife and I were dead after about 20 minutes and we were trying to come up with stuff for the kids to do. And we were like, you know, run to that side of the trampoline and run back and we'll time you. And the, you know, the kids had a great time, but man, we were hurting after that. And of course it tuckered the kids out. And then we had some, some whiny kids cause they were tired and they, you know, we had all this other stuff planned and some, some things they wanted to do, some things they didn't, but, uh, but anyway, we had a great time with them, ate lots of good food. Uh, it was my sister-in-law's birthday, actually, and so it worked out that we kept the kids for them. And then when they came to pick them up, we all went down to di- went out to dinner. So, so that was really fun. Got to spend some time with the family. And then Sunday, I worked on my Jeep. I have a 2011 Jeep Wrangler that I've been trying to do some work on, and I had to replace the EGR valve, which I honestly couldn't have told you what that was before I started this, but took it down to O'Reilly's because the check engine light was on, bugged the computer up to it, and that's what came up. So bought one, decided I could do it myself, looked it up on YouTube, and I learned that just because some guy on YouTube can walk you through how to do it does not necessarily mean that you should do it. Uh, It was way more challenging than I thought. Uh, took the tire off, and then it actually s- like sits on the back of the engine between the engine and basically the frame, kind of where the, the dash area of the vehicle, and it was a pain in the butt getting the old one off. It, it, took, me, it took me about three hours just to get the old one off, and, and it was not fun. I, I had to go back to O'Reilly. I think I made three trips to O'Reilly's during the process in my wife's car to buy more tools to get this thing off. And then after I finally got it off, I was like, oh, well, the new one will you know, be really easy to put back on. It took me another hour to get the new one on because I had to use those same awkward tools and reach around. It was just a tight space. So anyway, all that to say, last weekend was a little brutal. So I'm really looking forward to this coming weekend. And I get to head out to the ranch. My wife has a girls weekend. And so I'm headed out to the ranch to do some more habitat work. And I'm really looking forward to it, taking the chainsaw. I got a lot more cedars I want to cut. I think I talked about it in the previous episode or maybe two episodes ago. I have three bedding areas that I'm trying to cut in this year. I have about seven total that I want to do, but, you know, that's the long-term thousand-foot view. Uh, This summer, I'm trying to get three of them done. I got about half of one done the last time I was up there two weeks ago. 
And so I got another little portion of it I want to do, and it'll it'll kind of end up being like a almost like an elbow, like a ninety degree elbow. And I think that's going to make a fantastic bedding area. And if you go to my Instagram page, actually, uh, you can see some pictures of the work I did. But the way it's going to lay out is it's in the bottom of this big, I, I always call it a canyon. It's it's honestly just a big draw, but, you know, we're in Oklahoma, so it's about as close to a canyon as you can get. And up on top, we have our big food plot that we put in this year. It's uh, it's about four acres and oh man, I, I, I'm going to do some work on it this year too. I'm actually going to shrink it down a little bit, which I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I'll explain. I'll talk about that later. It's going to make sense. Um, but anyway, so that's up on top of this big ridge. And so down in the canyon, there's a point, and basically there's this big clump of cedars that wraps around that point. And I've had a trail camera kind of at the edge of that point, and there's always some decent deer movement. But like right in the heart of the rut, right in the middle of November, I always have two or three really nice bucks coming around this point. And so my thinking is I'm going to cut out these cedars along this point, let it grow back up. And I'm hoping that that'll become a nice big thick bedding area where those bucks will spend more time in there. You know, right now they're just kind of traveling through it. But I think if I thicken it up a little bit, they'll actually feel comfortable there. And then I'll have the food plot on top that I'll do most of my bow hunting and honestly just most of my hunting there trying to draw them out of that bedding area. But in the heart of November, you know, if, if the weather's perfect and I really feel like getting aggressive, there's a hill on the other side of this draw that where I'm making this bedding area. And if I want to during, you know, muzzle loader or early rifle or something, I can sit on that hill and I'll actually be able to look down into this entire bedding area that wraps around this point. And so I think it could be a great rifle spot. It, it's one of those, you know, high risk, high reward type spots. But when the timing's right and the weather's right, I think it could be deadly. And so that's the first spot I'm working on. I, I would consider my weekend a success if I can get that one finished out. You know, I have a little bit more where I was working last time. And then I need to wrap it around that point. And then I have two more bedding areas and uh, that I want to cut in, you know, before the season starts. And honestly, really, I want to get them in before summer so that they can calm down and have time to grow up. And so one of them is basically straight cedars. The other one is about 50-50. It's, it was cleared, I want to say in 2008. Um, it was cleared and now it's grown back up in mostly cedars. And then it runs into an old part of oaks and so my plan is to cut a bunch of the cedars and then also i plan to cut a bunch of those old oak tree you know like the smaller ones that aren't doing as well and that'll be kind of a two-part bedding area there and i have a uh, about a it's about an acre and a half to two acre food plot next to that one and that'll be a great spot i think and there's a little corner there that leads from the bedding area to the food plot where I actually want to try to hang a stand to try to do some recurve hunting out of. And recurve, I, I, I've had this recurve for a while. I, I'm being honest, I have not put the time into it that I should have, but that's kind of one of my goals this year. I just want to kill a deer. Like, it doesn't have to be a big buck. It doesn't have to be a buck at all. Like, my goal this year, <laughs> I'll say it on this podcast so y'all can all hold me accountable. My goal this year is to kill a deer with the recurve. And so... This year I started to set some spots up for it, never really worked out, and I kind of let off on my practice, and so I didn't feel comfortable taking it out this year, but, or I'm sorry, this last year, but this coming year, 
uh, I want to get at least at least two or three spots where I can use the recurve. And I think this one will be great. Like I said, it'll be a transition zone between the bedding and the food plot. And I want. I think I'm thinking I'm going to hang a tree stand, maybe like eight feet up in a tree, something like that. You know, not real high. So I don't. You know, I don't want an extreme angle, but I'd like to be off the ground a little bit and probably put it out to the side of a tree with a lot of cover in the back. Because you know, I want to say the recurve. It's I don't know. It's probably four and a half to five feet long. And so, you know, you really got to have a lot of room. So anyway, so yeah, I'm taking the chainsaw this weekend. Uh, I also just plan to do a lot of walking. Just, you know, I, I I haven't learned the terrain at my brother's place as well as at our other property that uh, we're selling. And so I also just plan to do a lot of walking like we talked about in the uh, 10 things to do before turkey season. And so I just, I really want to get in there. You know, I, I could draw a map for you and kind of lay out the different draws and everything. I, I you know I know it from an aerial view. I know it looking at it, but I really haven't dove off in there and walked at all. And so that's another one of my goals because unfortunately I'm not in good enough shape to run a chainsaw for, you know, eight to 10 hours anymore. So probably going to do some chainsaw work, do a bunch of walking, and then some more chainsaw work. So. I like bringing you guys along. I hope you guys can kind of picture that in your head. And then hopefully this deer season, you guys will be able to, you know, follow along as I hunt these different spots and get them ready. And, and uh, you know, hopefully that's something you guys enjoy just hearing about my season and as we go through it. So anyway, that's enough about me. Let's go ahead and get into our podcast today. Today we are talking to Clay Forst of Stewart Ranch Outfitters. And uh, Clay was very informative. He is a, oh, he says it in there, so I don't want to ruin it, but he is a a great, great, great something uh, grandson of the founder of this ranch. And the Stewart Ranch is the oldest family-owned cattle ranch in the state of Oklahoma. And so he talks about the ranch. He talks about the transition from ranching into the outfitting business. And then he does a fantastic job of laying out all the things that they offer, all their different hunts and packages that they offer. And so I hope you guys are ready for it. You know, this one's a lot more of a traditional podcast. It's This was not just me yammering along or talking to my buddies in a loud truck ride. And so I hope you guys are ready for this. And yeah, without further ado, we're just going to jump on in here. So here's my interview with Clay from Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Clay Forst, and Clay is with Stewart Ranch Outfitters. How are you doing today, Clay? I'm doing great, John. Uh, happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, well, Clay, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, we're just going to jump right in here. Uh, why don't you give us a quick little uh, introduction of who you are and where you're from? Yeah, like I said, uh, my name is Clay Force. Um, I manage Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Uh, I've been doing this since uh, June of 2009 uh, when I got out of school. Uh, we do package deer, uh, package, if I can talk, we do package whitetail deer hunts. We do package uh, Rio Grande turkey, waterfowl, both ducks and geese, and then we do uh, feral hogs in the off season. So those are the four package hunts that we do. Uh, for the most part, everything we do is right here on the ranch. Uh, as far as private ground, we do we have a little bit of lease country with uh, with our waterfowl and our turkey hunts. But for the most part, everything we do is uh, stationed right out of here, Warrick, Oklahoma, and right here on the ranch. Uh, and yeah, that's that's kind of our basic rundown. Uh, everything is guided. We have lodging on the ranch, uh, cleaning, cold storage, transportation on the ranch uh, is all provided in each package, and um, 
yeah so we hunt about about nine to ten months out of the year we kind of take the summers off because it's just really too hot to do any any feral pig hunting and basically that's just kind of off season prep for us and uh really it's kind of a year-round deal for us anyways we're getting ready for the next season pretty much as soon as that season closes so right it's a year-round gig for us and um yeah that's that's kind of our uh, our spiel in a nutshell awesome awesome and uh it says on y'all's website that stewart stewart ranch is the oldest family-owned cattle operation in oklahoma you mind giving us a little rundown about the ranch and a little history of it sure yes sir yeah so uh, my family started ranching in uh in 1868 uh my great 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 grandfather bought some tribal uh land from the choctaw indians uh back in 1868 and we settled in eastern Oklahoma, uh, just east and a little north of Caddo, Oklahoma, where we still have a ranch and an original homestead. Uh, the original acreage that was purchased is still our, our headquarters over there. Um, we've been putting ground together since 1868. Uh, I'm currently the sixth generation on the ranch to, to live and work on the ranch. Uh, we're first and foremost always going to be a, a working cattle ranch. That's kind of our, our bread and butter and, and what we've been doing for, for a long, long time. And we like I said, we started the outfitting deal just as a supplement income deal to what we are already doing as far as the cattle cattle side of things. But uh, like I said, we're just kind of an old school working cattle ranch. We still work almost daily horseback. We're working our cattle on horses. Uh, when we brand our calves, we're, we're roping and dragging to the fire and I always say if you took a picture of us and turned it black and white, it looked no different than it did in the mid 1800s. So we're still kind of keeping the uh, old school cowboy roots alive and, and, and doing it the way we did it a long, long time ago. And it works for us. And, and that's kind of the way we do things. But uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So we're first and foremost, always going to be a working cattle ranch. And we have a uh, performance and uh, breeding horse facility as well. And we do the cat, uh, outfitting also. So those are kind of our uh, three main entities. And we also have a uh, – uh, we just started a meat company about three or four months ago. So kind of a new venture for us. But uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of irons in the fire, as they say. Awesome. That's real awesome. I wasn't expecting quite so much. So I appreciate all the detail. And you, you touched on it just a little bit. But uh, uh, I guess my question is, you know, Talk about the transition going from full-time ranch into the outfitting, you know, about how long ago was that? And obviously it's kind of a natural fit with the land and everything, but just how'd y'all make that transition into it? Yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, I guess in a, in a story, uh, I graduated from college or let's say I was, uh, in grad school in 2009, I was at uh, Texas Christian and, uh, my mom is our, our boss or CEO or GM, whatever you want to call her. And she gave me a job proposal about halfway through school uh, to come back to the come back to the ranch and start Stewart Ranch Outfitters. And prior to that, we had been leasing out the ranch to a third party outfitter for a number of years. And she kind of made the decision to keep everything in house and basically wanted to start an in house enterprise, if you will. Um, and that was my job proposal to to start Stewart Ranch Outfitters in 2009. Uh, I, I went ahead and hired on and came back to the ranch and, uh, we kind of made that transition into or from lease country to in-house operations. And we've been doing it ever since. Uh, we started back in, like I said, 2009 and keep, keep kind of beating a dead horse there, but we, uh, started with about 
25 or 30 guys. We were really just doing a few whitetail hunts and a few turkey hunts. We kind of morphed into doing a little uh, feral hog hunts uh, as the years went by, and we started doing some waterfowl hunts, oh, about nine or ten years ago, eight years ago, I guess. And it's just kind of grown from there. We went from about 20 or 30 guys in 2009, and I believe we're up over about 300 clients per year now. So it's wow. uh, it's really grown and, and gotten to be a big deal for us um, over the past 11 years. It's, it's taken, a, taken a while to get where we're at, but uh, we're just steadily growing and, and uh, trying to stay within our means and, and do the best job that we can for our clients when they come in. That's awesome. I think you just described my and probably ninety percent of our listeners' dream job right there, <laughs> right out of right out of school and uh, starting your own outfitting business. So, man, that's yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yes, sir. Well, it, it may not be a dream job after about day fifty of guiding waterfowl hunts, but uh, <laughs> I, can, I can see that. I can see that. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's a good gig for sure. I, I'm blessed to to be able to do what I do and, uh, and and know the blessings that I have, and uh, and very thankful and very grateful for for what I do. It's it's a it's a pretty awesome gig. Nice, nice. All right, Clay. Well, uh, I kind of ran over this with you before we started talking, but for our viewers, uh, basically, what I want to do today is. We're going to take those four main categories you talked about, and we're just going to take them one at a time and kind of run through what you guys offer, you know, the quality people can expect when they come to hunt with you and all that good stuff. And so if it's all right with you, we're going to start with the good old whitetail deer. Um, So if somebody comes to hunt with you guys, what can they expect as far as a good whitetail deer? Yes, sir. Um, So I'm going to kind of break it down i guess over the last couple years i mean this past year uh this past this past season that just closed we had the best year we've had as far as the average total inches um we were averaging about 145 we book no more than 20 total hunts per year um and we killed 17 deer this year so we averaged 145 on 17 deer uh the largest deer we shot was 174 uh we shot two in the 166s or mid sixties, I believe, uh, shot a one hundred forty inch eight point. So we've got some quality deer, but to kind of disclaimer that we weren't there six years ago when I started managing this ranch. Um, we've really put a lot of time and effort in this thing. I mean, six years ago, you were hard pressed to find a deer that was go over probably one forty, to be honest with you. And so we've we've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of management into this ranch, and we really saw a lot of that effort basically happened this year and so i guess with all that being said i mean we we put a lot of a lot of time a lot of management and we're really managing this ranch for for trophy quality deer i mean we we're blessed to have we we hunt about thirty three thousand acres and we only shoot 20 mature whitetails off of it per year and so i think going forward we're going to have that quality and we're really going to be pushing that mid forties average, I hope, you know, from here on out. And and if something happens weather wise or, you know, God forbid a EHD comes comes to this part of the world, you know, that that could help or hurt, you know, our situation. But we really work hard of what we're doing and, and and really take the wildlife and the management side serious. And that's actually first and foremost for us. It's not necessarily the, the hunting and the and the killing aspect. It's really doing what we can do as far as wildlife and habitat and managing what we've got and and doing it to the best of our ability and quality. Awesome. Awesome. And I mean, it sounds like, uh, sounds like you're only getting better every year. And so I'd uh, say y'all have a bright future ahead of you guys. Um, yes, sir. If someone was interested in say like a management hunt, like a coal hunt, you know, maybe at a lower price point, is that something y'all offer or is y'all keep those for your, the family or how's that work? 
Uh, right now we don't. Um, kind of what we do as far as the lower, excuse me, for the lower price hunts, we do. We're part of the DMAP program through the state, and so we offer them, I guess, quote unquote, we call them meat hunts. So guys can come in here and shoot really as many does as they are able to take home because that helps with our management management policies and, and our philosophies on things. And so guys will come in here for two two or three day, you know, stand and shoot however many does they can put in a cooler and take home with them. And so that's kind of a lower price point, kind of what we do as far as a, a little bit of a management type deal. I'm not a big proponent. I'm kind of different than most, you know, the, the quote unquote coal and management type deer. My philosophies are a little different than most. And so for me to call a buck a management buck, it's really got to fit a certain criteria and kind of to your point. Yeah. We kind of stick that to, uh, we've all got young kids and ranch hands and that sort of thing. And so usually we just kind of let those guys take those deer. If, if we deem them kind of a management type buck for right now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And then as far as, you know, types of hunt people can expect, are y'all mostly hunting over feeders, spot and stock? What can people expect as far as that stuff? Uh, honestly, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we set out to put our hunters in stands in a permanent stand over a feeder, over a food plot, over a, you know, a travel corridor type area. Uh, but this ranch in Warwick, Oklahoma, it's pretty wide open. And so there are times where we will spot a deer during somebody's hunt and basically go get them picked up and, you know, make a spot and stock. Or if we're driving back to the lodge after a hunt and, there's a mature whitetail that's worth making an effort on. We'll, we'll stop the truck and, you know, if everything works out as far as the weather and the wind and that sort of thing, we'll, we'll make a move on that deer. So we're pretty uh, flexible on how we do things. We're not real set in our way. So whatever, it do, whatever we need to do to punch a tag, we're probably going to try to make that happen. Right. Right. As it should be. And I think everybody, I think everybody would agree with that. And, you know, it's nice that y'all can offer different things to different people looking for different things. And so, yes, sir. Uh, one last question on the on the deer. Uh, what about like disabled hunters? You know, if somebody had uh, an elderly person or a disabled person, is that something y'all could accommodate? Yes, sir. I think so. And I will say, we're probably not officially set up for a disabled person, but we'll make every effort to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if we need to set some pop up tents up or adjust something or move something around or, or do something like that i'm not going to ever say no to anybody we'll we, we may have to to move some stuff around or make something happen but we'll we'll adjust if we need to but um i guess in a long rambling answer we'll make it happen i wouldn't say we're necessarily set up for it but we'll make it happen gotcha gotcha good answer all right uh any last things with whitetail before we move on uh no, sir, not really. We're just, uh, like I said, we just work really hard what we're doing. We're managing our property and, uh, you know, trying to do, do right by our, by our deer and our deer herd. And uh, we're definitely making some strides. So it's uh, it's been a fun ride the last couple of years. Awesome. Awesome. All right. With that being said, we're going to move on to turkeys. And so uh, if somebody signs up to come to a turkey hunt, well, what could they be expecting? Uh, turkeys for us has kind of become our bread and butter. I don't know if it's what we're quote unquote known for, but we've, we've done a really good job with our turkeys the last couple of years. Uh, these are all Rio Grande turkeys in Southwest Oklahoma. And I will admit there's probably one or two kind of quote unquote hybrid deer running or hybrid deer, hybrid turkeys, uh, that are here because we'll, we'll kill some Rios that sure enough have a dark band on their top, top, uh, tail feather line where it's a little more toward the Eastern side, but, 
Uh, for us, we have a, a strong population of Rio Grandes. Uh, we're we're lucky to have a lot of country that we can go hunt them as well. So most mornings for us is we're going to pick our clients up before dark. We're going to go to an area where we've roosted birds prior to, and we're going to try to get a bird killed right off roost, you know, within that first hour or so. If, uh, if that doesn't work, it's basically just a run and gun, uh, for the rest of the day, for the most part, we'll, we'll run a gun till about noon, let guys come in and grab a bite to eat. And then usually we'll go back out in the afternoon and depending on how windy it is in the afternoon, we may just kind of settle into a spot and kind of wait for a bird to come in, just calling sporadically here and there. But we really like to put, uh, put boots on the ground and, and go after them. That's kind of our forte or kind of our bread and butter. And so if a client is willing to, to put miles on their boots, we're, we're going to go after them. I mean, that's kind of how my, myself and my guys, we like to hunt them. And so if, if our clients are willing, we're going to move or we're going to go find them. And, and sometimes that's weather dependent too. I mean, if the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, we'll, we'll go post up because there's just no point really in chasing them in, in a 30 mile an hour wind. Um, we, we shoot about 30 to 40 uh, Rios every year. Um, this year's going to be a little different because all of Oklahoma is a, a one bird county. So our, our turkey numbers basically are as far as total birds probably got cut in half. We're, we're going to shoot about, or I've got about 15 to 20, 21, 22 guys booked this year. So that kind of put a little kink in what we're doing this year. But uh, we've averaged about 80, 85% over the last couple of years. And usually that's everybody going home with one bird at least. And that second bird is, is part of that. 20% that a guy may not get a second bird. So turkey hunting for us is, is something that we're really, I feel like we're good at and, and we we're blessed with a lot of country and, and a lot of uh, population of, of birds in this area. So it's, it's something that we like to do and we're, I don't know. I shouldn't say we're good at it because I don't feel like I don't, I don't, you can brag. It's all right. <laughs> it's, we enjoy it. We've got really good guides, and it's a, it's a lot of fun around here. So uh, it's something we look forward to every year. Yeah, I've I've admitted on this podcast that turkey hunting is my weak link as far as my my hunting savvy. I just didn't grow up in an area with a lot of turkeys and uh, southeastern Oklahoma. Now you know we got the later season and all that good stuff. Yes, and sir. So that's just something I've never really polished my skills with, and so I'm I'm very jealous of y'all's higher populations and bag limits and all all that stuff. And so yes, sir. Uh, well, yeah. I grew up hunting birds in, in southeast Oklahoma, too, so I think mm. that's kind of where I cut my teeth. And so when I was able to go over here and hunt Rios in western Oklahoma, it was just like a like a light bulb went off because they actually gobble and you can mm -hmm. go find them. And it's a it makes life a little easier, if you will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, what type of what type of terrain can people uh, be ready for? Y'all do like. You know, do y'all have some hay fields and food plot type stuff, or people might need to walk over some sand hills? What type of terrain do y'all deal with? Um, it's pretty flat for the most part. I mean, this is rolling prairie type country, but where we're where we are hunting turkeys at, um, mostly in big open pecan bottoms, like creek bottom type stuff. Uh, we'll chase them in what I call like mesquite flat. So basically, it's just it's prairie pasture, native grass pasture with mesquites in it. Um, it's for the most part, the terrain as far as moving is pretty easy. I mean, it's just flat, sandy loam type country. So it's not a, it's not a hard terrain. It just may be a lot of miles type of deal. Right. Um, not a whole lot of up and down. It's for the most part, it's pretty flat as far as your mobility type of things. But like I said, it, it just may take a lot of miles to, 
to get it done kind of deal. But uh, as far as the actual walking, it's it's not too bad. Well, that's a good sale for me because uh, I don't mind walking, but I'm definitely a flatlander. So yeah, yes, sir. Well, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Uh, any last uh, turkey tips you got for us or turkey info? No, no, sir. Like I said, just uh, we're chasing Rio Grande's from about April 6th to May 6th. That's kind of our deal. Awesome. Awesome. All right, this next one's probably the one that I'm most excited about, uh, if i got to be honest. And uh, we're going to talk about duck hunting at Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys seem pretty much right in the middle of the Central Flyway. Uh, I, I follow you guys on Instagram. Y'all have a ton of bird pictures. Uh, tell me what somebody can expect when they come duck hunting with you guys. Yeah, for sure. So, we just wrapped, that, wrapped up duck season this past uh, Sunday. Duck season just closed. But for us, we are equipped set up flexible all of the above for just about any sort of hunting that we can offer around here um we can do anything from well to back up a little bit too we manage about 100 acres of of water and moist soil uh units habitat we plant about oh somewhere between about 35 and 50 acres of milo or millet uh do some corn you know different different things that we plant for the ducks coming down in some managed areas where we can actually control water levels up or down or let water out or however we need to do it so with that being said we can hunt a managed flooded milo field uh we can hunt a cattle just a good old-fashioned cattle pond with an a-frame uh we'll chase geese in dry land winter wheat fields you know on a backboard laying laying underneath the decoys uh we'll chase them on fence lines with layout blinds um we actually even have some i always say this loosely we all we have some some timber and i say that in quotations (laughs) uh that we've built on here on the ranch and it is not the green timber of arkansas so anybody that's listening it's i promise it's not it's it's and i'm not claiming that ours is but we can go we've got some places that we flood the timber and we get in there and lean against the trees so i mean we really can do just about anything um and we're going to go where the ducks are at and i mean like I said, we'll we'll hunt birds um, on dry ground to lean it up against a tree, and uh, we'll shoot lesser Canadas and oh, we'll shoot a few, a few specks every year, a few snows every year, but mostly it's it's Canada geese, uh, mallards, gadwalls, widgeons. Uh, we shot an eight-man limit of canvas backs this year in a cattle pond, which was pretty pretty random. Uh, pintails, a few redheads every now and again, you know, some ringnecks. So. It's a very mixed bag and in a very um, – you really never know where you're going to hunt every day. I mean, it's just – it's something we, we get around and scout every day. And, you know, like I said, it may be from a layout on the edge of a cattle pond to leaning up against a tree in a timber hole the next day. Right, right. That sounds awesome to me, though, getting a little variety in there uh, of – both, you know, the type of stuff you're hunting and also just the mixed bag of birds. And so yes, sir. Uh, canvas back, that is on my list. I've shot a lot of ducks uh, and I've seen them, but I have not actually killed one yet. Uh, we got a big, big lake on our place. I say lake, you know, it's glorified cattle pond, but uh, I've seen one there like three years in a row. And I don't know if it was the same bird or not, but it was, there was always one and, uh, but he would never come into me. And so I got a, I got a bone to pick with him, but anyway, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you just talk about a random deal. I mean, it, they just, we must've caught them on a, on a migration day because they kept on coming in. It was just the most, I, I don't know. It, it was the most insane, random, just wild thing I've probably ever seen in my duck hunting career. Mm. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so like, let's say that, you know, either I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends that come with me. If I'm just a single guy, can I come up there and y'all stick me in a group or something? How would that work? Yes, sir. Yeah. So what we do is we try to, uh, have a party of four or greater to book the lodge, but usually during waterfowl season, that kind of goes out the window a little bit. We usually have, or my lodge sleeps up to nine. Uh, typically my groups are four to six. So with single guys like yourself in this description, you know, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll take you, we'll, we'll put you in the lodge with another group of guys. Um, just kind of depends on the hunt the next day, uh, and the total number of guys as far as how the hunt goes. But yes, we, we will accept single hunters and then we will kind of mix and match typically with, with groups six or plus we'll, we'll actually split groups up and we'll hunt two groups of three it's a little easier for us to go shoot two three mans versus one six man kind of deal and mm-hmm. so um in a long rambling answer yes if you're a single hunter and we can make it work fit our schedule come on gotcha gotcha and then this is also kind of a selfish question what time does a duck hunter have to get up to go hunt with you guys <laughs> uh not early to be okay. honest with you so typically for us myself and my guides we usually go set up the either the night before or the morning before we pick you guys up. Uh, so basically, for the most part, we're picking guys up between about 6.15 and 6.30. We're in the blind by about 6.40, 6.45, and then waiting on shooting light at between 7 and 7.10, you know, depending mm-hmm. on the time of year. But uh, for the most part, you literally could get up at like, six o'clock mm-hmm. put your clothes on hop in the truck with us and you know like i said we're at the blind in less than five to ten minutes for the most part that's my kind of duck hunting right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah or if you're guiding for me it's a little different story we're usually uh-huh. between about 3 30 and 4 30 every morning but mm-hmm. for the client it's a pretty easy gig it's uh like i said between 6 and 6.30, just about every morning. Awesome, awesome. Uh, let's see, I think that's all the questions I got. You got anything else you want to throw out about uh, duck hunting? Uh, I mean, I would just say we're pretty passionate about our ducks and our habitat and our habitat installation, if you will. Uh, we've we've got a lot of plans, and we're doing something every year as far as adding habitat and trying to make our duck hunting as best as we can because we're on the bottom end of the – basically the central flyway of Oklahoma. And so for us, you know, once we get birds, we try to hold them as best we can because they just, it, it can be very uh, frustrating at times. You know, if you get a little bit of a North wind or a little bit of South wind, those birds might jump a couple hundred miles, just top mm-hmm. or bottom. And so we're really, we're really just doing a, a, as much effort as we can to hold birds and contain birds once they get here and, and really have successful hunts every day with our clients. So waterfowl something that we're really passionate about and and uh something that we really are putting a lot of effort and, and time and and management into you know going forward gotcha gotcha awesome all right and uh last one on the list uh let's talk about hog hunting uh if i uh book a hog hunt with you guys what, what can i expect yeah for sure so we do uh we do a lot of feral pig hunts as like a bonus type hunt, especially like with our waterfowl hunts, because we're, we're doing morning only hunts for the most part. Um, and so some guys will book some, some afternoon or evening pig hunts. Um, but if you were just doing a pig only hunt, we've kind of shifted gears a little bit. We've got some guys that help us uh, with some thermal optics and that sort of thing. And so we do just a lot of 
driving around, if you will, finding bird or finding birds. See, I can't switch gears. Finding, <laughs> I know. I keep find, going from one to the other. You're always one behind. All right, on to pigs. Pig, yeah, finding pigs, you know, with thermal optics and, and that sort of thing, and then, you know, shooting them with thermals or night vision. Um, and we also just do what I just call a traditional hunt, which is just sitting in a stand over a bait, bait site, feeder, food plot, that sort of thing. There's absolutely no management in shooting pigs. I mean, they're here. Um, I would, I say this a lot. I would give back every dollar I've ever made off the pig hunt and, uh, <laughs> give, give it right back if they were no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, for our deal, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, it's, it's either finding them with thermals or sitting over a bait site and hoping they come in kind of deal. Like I said, there's, there's no management. Um, our hunts are probably a little different than most. It's just a flat rate. You can shoot as many shoot as many pigs as you have the opportunity to shoot at. There's no you know trophy fees for uh, a big four or anything after the first or you know anything like that. It's just just a flat fee right off the top, you know, for that day hunt. Um, but outside of that, I mean, there's really not a lot to it. It's go find pigs, shoot pig kind of thing. Right, right. And that may not sound, you know, too awful exciting to a lot of the Oklahoma listeners who, you know, get to shoot, right. most likely get to shoot pigs a lot on their own. But, man, you would be surprised. You know, I've gone to hunting shows in other states, and I, I went to school in Idaho, actually. And you start talking about pig hunting, and, I mean, people's eyes light up. I mean, people who don't have them just think they're the coolest thing ever. And, uh, I mean, I've had guys come all the way down, all, old college buddies and stuff come all the way down just to hunt hogs. And so, um, oh, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's yeah. an exciting thing for somebody who doesn't have them running all over their own land. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. Well, on that, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, majority of my clients are coming from, I've got a big, I guess, following in Nebraska. I've got some guys in Montana that come down. Missouri is a pretty popular state that comes down, but it's all north of kansas north and west for the most part it's a it's a cheap hunt at the end of the day i mean there's no tag there's no license to buy you know it's it's in between seasons when there's nothing else going on and so i see the appeal to it but you're right you know being in oklahoma and i could care less about them but there's a a big following for pigs Mm -hmm. north of kansas (laughs) yep yep yeah, and I'm sure it helps you guys with the ranching and all that. So it's a it's a win win for everybody. Yes, sir. Yep, for sure. Okay. Well, I appreciate you walking you through this. I, I do have one more. Um, I just want to talk about the lodge and the accommodations and stuff. And so, kind of as a a fifth element here, you know, let's say I sign up for a hunt, be it whatever. Uh, just kind of walk me through what my day would look like, what kind of room I'd be in, meals, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, so we, we have full lodging on the ranch. Um, the lodge is a, it's a two story kind of old school looking log cabin is what it is. It's got uh, two bedrooms downstairs with a full bath. And then there's three bedrooms upstairs and a full bath. Uh, for the most part, it sleeps nine. I very rarely have more than six in the, in the lodge itself uh, or per group. So for the most part, you're going to have your own private room and then you you know two two bathrooms to share it's got a full kitchen downstairs um we've got a traeger pellet grill on the back for guys to use we don't offer meals as of right now uh but we do have a full kitchen with all the cookware utensils and everything to cook with um and so guys if you know if they want to bring their own meals or own, their own food we have everything there to prepare it for them um 
yeah, that's pretty much our lodge. I mean, it's it's uh, got dish TV, you know, comfy living room, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it's it's honestly nothing special, but it's it's a good comfortable place for guys to stay and and hang out, you know, while uh, while they're hunting with us. Gotcha, gotcha. And you you kind of talked about it with the duck hunting and the turkey hunting. Uh, if a guy was there whitetail hunting, do y'all normally pick them up and bring them back for lunch? Uh, they do you encourage guys to take lunches with them? How would that work? Uh, we always leave the amount of hunting up to the hunter himself or herself. Um, but in a typical, just a whitetail day, we're going to pick guys up before daylight, get guys in the stand about 20 to 30 minutes before daylight or shooting light. Um, they typically will sit till about 10 30 or so, you know, give or take, we'll pick them up, bring them back to the cabin, let them get a bite to eat, take it easy for a little bit. And we're usually back in the stand by about two, three o'clock and then they'll hunt till dark. So that's kind of the normal routine, you know, for a whitetail hunt or even like a pig hunt if they wanted to. Um, so it, it's, it's honestly kind of up to them as far as how much or how little they want to hunt as far as the time. And then we just kind of become a revolving taxi service at that point and just move guys <laughs> in and out, uh, from the lodge and then in between scouting and checking cameras and that sort of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then uh, I just thought of another question. What about game care? Do you got, you know, if somebody shoots a whitetail, do you guys clean it for them or do y'all just have facilities there? How would that work? Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a cleaning area. Um, and so part of the whitetail package is, is cleaning and quartering. I wouldn't, it, well, I always say processing, but it's not full processing. So say you shoot a deer day two of a four day hunt, we will skin that animal or cape it out for you and then we'll hang the hang the carcass in our cooler and then when you're ready to leave we'll quarter that quarter that deer out for you put it in your cooler put it on ice you know give you everything all your tags everything's kosher on the legal side of deals give you your cape and then uh, your horn cap and then send you on your way so we don't do any like finished processing as far as packaging it for sausage or hamburger mm-hmm. or your cuts or anything like that we just quarter it out put it in your cooler on ice and then you can go with it from there gotcha 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 all righty clay well i think that's about all i have for you um the last thing i want to give you a chance to to shout out your website and social media and how people can get in touch with all, and all that good stuff so uh you know if somebody wants to book a hunt how would they get in contact with you yeah for sure uh, i appreciate that um our website uh, is usually the best way to get a hold of us it's uh stewart ranch outfitters it's s-t-u-a-r-t ranch outfitters uh we're on all the the social media channels for the most part um we've got a youtube channel it's just it's stewart ranch outfitters uh instagram is at sr outfitters and then uh, a facebook page as well it's just stewart ranch outfitters so uh yeah feel free to check us out send us an email send us a dm whatever i kind of run all that stuff and uh it all kind of comes to me and would love to hear from anybody that's got any questions or needs information or anything like that awesome clay i really appreciate you coming on today and it was a great chat and i hope you get some business out of this yeah for sure i sure appreciate you having me on and uh i enjoyed the conversation as well awesome all right i'll talk to you later all right thank you sir and there we have it. I'd like to thank Clay for coming on. And uh, you can definitely hear a little bit of that Western Oklahoma wind. But, man, he did a great job. He was super informative, very helpful. And 
I can't thank him enough for coming on. It was really cool hearing about all the things that the Stewart Ranch has to offer, all the different packages, and I would really encourage all the, all of you guys to, number one, go to their website and check it out. Uh, I believe they list most of their prices and packages on their website, so check that out. And then, man, go to their Instagram and just look at their pictures. I love their Instagram. It's one of my favorite pages. Uh, they They do some amazing photography. You know, it's not just some run-of-the-mill pictures you know they actually take their time and take great photos they have photos of all their all their clients their duck hunting their uh, deer hunting everything and so they do a great job really top-notch organization it all sounds amazing but for some reason the duck hunting really stands out to me i guess just because i haven't got to do as much of it this year i did man this might have been the least i've ever done and, uh, and and it was nobody's fault but my own. Uh, but man, the the duck hunting that they offer just looks top notch and great spot in the flyway. And it sounds like they really take care of their clients. And for those Sportsman's Nation listeners, you know, out of state, if you're looking to do some hog hunting, great opportunity right here. Nice cozy lodge, somebody to take care of you, show you around, and and uh, and man, like what a cool opportunity to just see the ranch. Also, you know, if you're from the the northeast or the city or something like that and you want to see some real cowboys well here's your chance and uh you know you can get a a tour of a ranch and do some hunting all at the same time so again just a great opportunity great people uh, i want to thank clay again and Stuart ranch outfitters and that's about all i have for you guys this week and so i'm going to close this out i hope all of you have a great week hope you all get some habitat work done or spend some time outdoors, or at least, at minimum, spend some time with the family. So, until next week, guys, I'm out, and I hope you guys all have a great week.